Book Three, Chapter Four of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de la Bea. Translated by Robert Southey. Book Three, Chapter Four, in which is recounted the cruel battle between King Lisuarte and Don Galvanes and their people and of the liberality and greatness which the king showed after his victory, giving the land to Don Galvanes and Madasima, they remaining his vassals as long as he should dwell therein. Heretofore you have heard how King Lisuarte, having landed in the isle of Mongaza, found King Arban among the rocks, whom he commanded to raise his camp and join him on the plain. He was now advised that Don Galvanes and his companions had departed from the boiling lake and crossed the mountains with design to give him battle. Forthwith he went to meet them, heartening his army the best he could, for they had to deal with the best knights in the world. So far they marched that they encamped that night upon the banks of a river, a league apart from the enemy. When it was daybreak they all heard mass and armed themselves, and the king ordained his forces into three battalions. Don Galaor had the first of five hundred knights. With him were his comrade Norandel, and Don Guillon the Pensive, and his cousin Ladacin, and Grimio the Valiant, and Sandel of Ganota, and Nicoran the good jouster of the perilous bridge. The second battalion he gave to King Kildadan with seven hundred knights. With him went Ganides of Ganota, and Acadis, the king's nephew, and Bradacen, and Brandoyos, and Tazian, and Philispinel all knights of great account, and in the midst went Don Grumadan of Norway, and other knights, with King Arban of North Wales, whose charge it was to guard the king. In such order they moved on, seeming a goodly and well-armed company, and so many trumpets and clarions sounded that scarce could voice be heard. They drew up in a plain, and Baladan and Leonis kept behind the king with thirty knights. When Don Galvanes and his noble friends knew of the coming of King Lisuarte and his force, albeit that for one of them he brought five, yet were they not dismayed, nor, though the capture of Don Brian of Monjaste was a great loss to them, and the absence of Agrayes, who was gone to provide supplies, of which they were in need. But with a good heart and great courage Don Galvanes cheered his troops, and formed them into two battalions, the one of one hundred and six knights, the other of one hundred and nine. In the first went Don Florestan and Don Quadragante, and Angriotte of Estravaus, and his brother Grovadan, and his nephew Sarquiles, and his cousin Gazinan, who bore the banner of the damsels, and by the banner were Branfil, and the good Don Gavarte of the Perilous Valley, and Olivas, and Balais of Carsante, and Enel, the good knight whom Beltenebros knighted before the battle with King Kildadan, in the other battalion was Don Galvanes, and there were with him the two good brethren Palomir and Dragonis, and Listoran of the White Tower, and Dandales of Sadoka, and Tantalis the Proud, and by their battalions there were crossbowmen and archers. With this company, so unequal to the great numbers of the king, they entered the open field where the enemy awaited them. Florestan and Quadragante then called Elian the gallant, one of the comeliest knights that could far or near be found, 
and bade him go with two other knights, his kinsmen, and tell King Lisuarte that if he would withdraw the crossbowmen and archers from between the wings, there would be one of the best battles he had ever seen. The three knights rode forward before the army. Now, you must know, this Elian the gallant was Don Quaragante's nephew, being son of his sister and of Count Liquedo, who was cousin to King Perion. They, having reached the first battalion, demanded of Don Galaor a safe conduct, who sent Don Kendil of Canota to secure them. So they went before the king, and said to him, Sir, Don Florestan and Don Quaragante, and the knights who are here with them to defend the lands of Maracima, sent to say that if you will consent to withdraw the archers and crossbowmen, there will be a good battle. In God's name, replied Lisuarte, withdraw yours, and Sendel shall send away mine. So the three knights returned, and Sendel informed Galaor what had been agreed, and afterward both armies moved on. When they were within three bowshots of each other, Galaor knew Florestan, and the two knights who rode foremost with him, by their arms, and he said to Norandel, "'My good friend, you see there the three best knights in company whom man can find. He with the white lions is Don Florestan.' He with the dark lions and the flower ardent in a field azure is Angriotte of Estravaus. He with the flowers or is Don Quaragante, and the foremost of them, with green arms, is Gavarte of the perilous valley, the good knight who slew a serpent and so won that name. Let us encounter them. They threw their shields before them and lowered their lances, and those knights rode on to meet them. Norandel spurred his horse and smote Gavarte, and bore him saddle and all to the ground. This was his first essay, and it was held by all for a right good beginning. Galaor and Quaragante encountered, and fell men and horses to the ground. Sendel ran against Elian, their lances break, both were wounded, but both kept their seats. And now the armies had joined, and such was the uproar of voices, and the din of strokes, that the drums and clarions were no longer heard. Then were there many knights slain, and many wounded, and many thrown from their horses, and the hearts of all on either side were incensed with great anger. But the thickest press was to defend Galaor and Quaragante, who were now foining at each other, and grappling and struggling, that it was fearful to behold them, and more than a hundred knights on both sides were dismounted in attempting to help horse them, for they were so closely engaged that none could part them. Then, in that hour... What feats Norandel and Don Guillan the Pensive, performed by Galaor, cannot be told, nor how Florestan and Angriotte bestirred themselves over Quaragante, for though the knights of Lisuarte pressed on them in far greater number, they so played their parts that they lost not one jot. Such efforts were at last made that Galaor and Quaragante were mounted again, and rushed like two lions into the battle. That day King Kildaran did bravely, and sent many a knight to earth. But Don Galvanus came up, and soon made it manifest that the quarrel was his, and that he neither feared danger nor death in defending his heritance against these enemies. Don Florestan, too, holding his brother Amadis to be the chief in this dispute, and feeling that it therefore became all his friends to play the man, and himself above the rest, he raged furiously from side to side, wherever he could work most hurt, and seeing how King Kildaran exceeded all those of his own party, he made at him through the press of knights, maugre the load of blows that were laid on him, 
and came up to him so fiercely that he could do nothing but seize him in his strong arms, and Kildadan grappled him. Presently they were surrounded by knights to succour them, their horses drew back, and they fell together, and then fell to with swords, driving fierce and mortal blows at each other. But Enol, the good knight, and Angriote got Florestan to horse again, and he remembering what Amadis would do if he were there present, rode into the thickest of the battle, and did marvellous feats that day. Norandel, whose armour was all hacked and red with many wounds, and his sword bloody to the hilt, when he saw King Kaldaran on foot, called to Don Galaur, Let us help your friend King Kaldaran, or he will be slain. Now show your worth, my comrade, quoth Galaur and let us horse him and fight by him. So they, with toil and much difficulty, mounted him again, but he was sorely wounded on the head by a stroke from Dargonis, and the blood ran over his eyes. In that hour could not the host of King Lisuarte, for all their great numbers, keep the field. They turned their backs and fled before the great hardihood of their enemies, save only Don Galaur and certain other good knights, who went from part to part, rallying and heartening them, till they came to where the king was. Lisuarte, seeing them thus return discomfited, cried out, Now show your worth, good friends, and let us preserve the honour of London. And he spurred his horse, shouting, Clarence! Clarence! For that was his war-cry, and went full against his enemies. He saw Don Galvanus fighting full valiantly, and he smote him, so that his lance brake, and Galvanus lost his stirrups. Then he drew his sword, and laid about him on all sides, and his people took heart. But it availed nothing, for Florestan and Quadragante, and Angriotte and Gavarte, being all joined together, did such feats that it seemed as if their enemies were all vanquished, and all thought that the field could not be kept against them. King Lisuarte, seeing his people dismayed and so rudely handled, was in all fear of being vanquished, and he called on Guillan, who was badly wounded, and King Arban of North Wales, and Grumedan of Norway, and said to them, I see our people are in an evil plight, and I fear that God, whom I have never served as I ought, will not give me this battle. Now let us do then, for I may be called the king who was defeated and slain to my honour, but never to my dishonour the living and defeated king. He then spurred his horse onward without fear of death, and turned to Guadagante, who was coming against him, and they smote each other two such blows upon the helmet that each embraced the neck of his horse, but because the king's sword was far the better, he wounded Guadagante in the head. Presently they were succoured by Galaur and Norandel on the one side, and by Florestan and Agriotto on the other, and the king, who saw the wonders which Don Florestan worked, made at him, and smote his horse upon the head, so that he fell, but for this he soon paid, for Florestan leaped from the saddle, and made at the king, maugre all who guarded him, yet could he only reach the horse's leg which he cut through. The king lightly got on foot, so that Florestan was surprised thereat, and gave him two blows with his good sword, against which his armour nothing availed him to save the flesh. But Florestan remembered how he had been in his court, and what honour he had once received from him, and forbore to strike him, only he protected himself with the little of his shield that was left. But Lisuarte, in great fury, smote at him as fiercely as he could. Still Florestan forbore to strike, but he grasped him in his arms, and would neither suffer him to mount again, nor to get from him. Then was there a great press on both sides to the succour, and the king cried out, shouting his name, that he might be holpen. At this Galaur came up, and said, Sir, mount my horse, and Philispinel and Brandoyas 
were with him, being afoot, and offering each his horse. "'Take mine, sir,' quoth Galaur, but the king would not suffer him to alight, and took Philispinel's horse and turned aside, leaving Florestan sorely wounded with his good sword, though Florestan would not harm him. And presently Quadragante brought Florestan a horse. Then Lisuarte called on Galaur and Norandel, and King Caledon and the rest who followed him, and they pressed on, he doing such deeds that the praise of that day was justly given him. For, though Florestan and Quadragante, and Gavarte and their friends, did what they could, and marvellously bestirred themselves, yet they were few in number, and for the most part sorely wounded. And the king's people had now taken courage, and came on with such numbers, that perforce they were driven back to the foot of the mountains, where Florestan and Quadragante, and Angriotte and Gavarte, their arms being hacked to pieces, their horses slain and themselves sorely wounded, fell senseless upon the field. And Palomir and Elian the Gallant, and Branfil and Enel, and Sarquiles and Maratros of Lisando, who was the cousin of Florestan, were all taken in their defence, and many were there slain on both sides. And Don Galvanus would there have been lost, if Dragonus had not often succoured him, and at last drawn him out of the press, so badly hurt that he could scarcely sit, being well-nigh senseless, and he sent him to the boiling lake, and remained himself with that small company which had escaped, defending the mountains. So thus, by the courage of Lisuarte, and by the great folly of Florestan, who would not hurt him, having him in his power, it may well be said that day was lost. Whereby we may understand that in such danger we should neither show pity nor curtsy to friend nor kin, till the victory be secured. When King Lisuarte saw how his enemies forsook the field and retired among the mountains, and that the sun was going down, he forbade any of his men to advance farther, and he placed guards, because Dagonis had already occupied all the strong passes, and sent for his tents, which were pitched beside a stream at the foot of the mountains. He then called for King Kildadan and Don Galor, but it was told him that they were lamenting over Florestan and Quadragante, who were at the point of death. Hearing this, Lisuarte demanded a horse, and rode towards them, rather to console Don Galor than with any wish to give assistance to those knights who had been against him. Albaide was somewhat moved in remembering how in the battle against King Kildadan, Florestan, being bareheaded, stepped before him and received upon his shield that mighty blow from the great giant Ganda Curiel, and how that very day he had for virtue forborne to strike him. So, going where they were, he comforted them with gentle words, and assurance that they should be healed, yet had not this such weight, but that Galar swooned many times upon his brother Florestan. The king made them be carried to a good tent, and sent masters to look to their wounds, and taking King Kildadan with him, permitted Galar to abide with them that night, and he took to the same tent the seven knights who had been taken prisoners, to be healed also. There, by the help of God chiefly, and of the masters, who were right skilful, before dawn they had recovered their senses, and upon sight and search made, hopeful signs of recovery were found. The next day, as Norandel and Don Guillon were with Galor, to console him for the great sorrow which he endured, because of his brother and his kinsmen, they heard the trumpets and clarions sound in the king's tent, which was a signal for the people to arm. They bound up their wounds fast that the blood might not issue, and armed themselves, and rode thither. They found the king armed in fresh armour and on a fresh horse, consulting with King Arban and King Kildadan and Don Grumedan, whether he should attack the knights who were in the mountain. The opinions were different. Some said 
their own people had been so hardly handled that it was not reasonable till they were recovered to attack the enemy others that the lay was dangerous for now the army was hot in anger and if they cooled they would have little will for another engagement and moreover agaius was expected with stores and troops from brittany the king then asked don galaur's advice sir said he if your people are wounded and fatigued so also are the enemy and because they are few and we are many i advise that we forthwith attack them so let it be said lisuarte anon they made ready and attacked the passes galaur going first and norandel following him and though the dragones defended them well yet so many were the bowyers and crossbowmen who annoyed him that he was compelled to retire to the plain beyond and from thence after a perilous battle to retreat to the town and castle soon the king came up and pitched his tents there and ordered his fleet to besiege the castle by sea and because this history is the history of amadis and he was not present in that war it is not necessary to relate all that passed you need only know that lisuarte besieged them thirteen months by land and by sea so that they could no ways be succoured for Agrius was ill nor had he a force that could attack so great a fleet and food failing within they began to treat with the king that he and don galvanus should mutually release their prisoners that the town and castle of the boiling lake should be rendered and there should be truce for two years now although this was to the king's advantage yet such was his confidence that he would not have granted these terms if he had not received letters from his uncle count agramante how all the kings of the islands had risen against him seeing that he was engaged in this war and chosen king aravigo of the islands of landas for their chief who was the most powerful of all and how all this was occasioned by arcalaus the enchanter who had gone from island to island telling them they would meet with no resistance and might divide the land between them wherefore agramante besought the king to leave all other business and return without delay this obliged the king to negotiate though against his will for his will was to take his enemies by force of arms and put them all to death so the terms being made the king accompanied by many good men went to the town and found the gates open and from thence to the castle when don galvanus came out and the knights who were with him and the fair marasima who was in tears gave him the keys and said do sir herewith what is your pleasure lisuarte took and gave them to brandevois then galaur came to the king and said sir gentleness and courtesy are needed now if i have ever done you service remember it now don galaur quoth he if i were to look to all the services you have done me the guerdon could never be found though i were worth a thousand times more than i possess what i may do now shall not be reckoned in my debt to you then said he don galvanus this land which you took from me by force and which i by force have recovered i now willingly for your own worth and for the goodness of marasima and at the request of don galaur give it to you and marasima that reserving my lordship ye and they who proceed from ye may possess it as your own sir replied don galvanus since my fortune hath not suffered me to keep it as my heart desires though i have done my duty i accept it as your vassal all the knights then kissed the hand of lisuarte for what he had then done and don galvanus and marasima as his vassals the war thus finished king lisuarte remained fifteen days to heal the wounded and refresh the army 
and then set sail for his own kingdom, taking with him Don Galvanes and the other knights, who were willing to bear him company. There heard he how those knights were coming against him, which, albeit it greatly troubled him, yet such semblance did he make, as if he nothing regarded them, but he made ready for defence, not ceasing meantime to enjoy himself, and make merry with the queen and his daughter. End of chapter 4 of book 3